you are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I say D, I say D-O, D-O-D, D-O-D-G, D-O-D-G-E-R-S, team, 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 team. Yo, 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 Dodger fans. Welcome to Locked On Dodgers. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. Locked On, your team every day. This is a daily podcast talking about the eight-time defending NOS champion Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans' perspective on our boys in blue. I'm Vince Samperio of Chavez Ravine Fiends, here with Jeff Snyder of Baseball Essential. Jeff, you have two couple streaks We've never had season tickets where the Dodgers weren't division champs, and we've never had a podcast together where the Dodgers weren't division champs. Absolutely. Any year that has been so improbable, the foregone conclusion has happened. To take a quote from Thanos, uh, it was inevitable, and yeah, the Dodgers got it done. We'll get into a bunch of different things about the game and about the celebration after and a couple little notes here and there. But before we do all that, a quick reminder to subscribe to Locked On Dodgers wherever you get your podcasts. And when you get in your car or if you're at home, tell your smart device to play podcasts Locked On Dodgers. All right, Jeff, we'll save the the news and notes for a little bit. Let's just talk about it. The Dodgers are NOS champions for the eighth straight year, merely a formality after they took down or took down, took two out of three from the Padres last week. And it was just mainly of, of when it was actually going to happen. The Angels helped out in order to make it happen last night. But yeah, Jeff, eight in a row. Uh, you know, even though we expected this coming into the season, it's still nice to get it done and, and, and see it happen. Yeah, absolutely. You have to do the things that are expected of you in order to do the ultimate goals. And yeah, winning the division was absolutely uh, anything less would have been a disappointment. And like I told Javi when we did the crossover episode with Locked on Padres earlier this season, uh, very early in the season, I said the Padres are a fine team, and I think they have a really good chance of finishing in second place in the division. And, uh, you know, that's what we saw. The Dodgers, the, this division was theirs to win. They were supposed to win it, and they did. And not only did they, but it's been convincing. The Dodgers are the only team in baseball that hasn't lost three games in a row this year. They're, they've only lost one series. They've just been, you know, Oral and Joe talked about it a little bit on the broadcast on, on Tuesday night. They haven't had any stretch where you doubted them, really. I mean, their worst stretch, their worst 10-game stretch was 5-5. Five and five. And, you know, uh, it's, it's just been consistent. And obviously, it's easier to stay consistent over 55, 60 games than over 162. But, you know, you remember... When the season was starting, there was a lot of hand-wringing and consternation about in a short season, you know, one bad stretch can really set you, you know, set you on a bad streak. It's, you know, anything can happen in a short season. And the Dodgers just came out from day one and took care of business and won the division again with ease. And uh, and the only, my only regret about it is that I couldn't be there at the stadium to watch it happen. Uh, I was surprised at how emotional I got watching the celebration on the field, hearing I love L.A. playing and thinking about the fact that there were no fans in the stadium, uh, specifically no me in the stadium. This, yeah, the first time uh, celebrating with no fans, I guess, and hopefully the only time this ever happens. But yeah, eight, eight in a row is just you're going to get a lot of people saying doesn't matter without a ring and, and blah, blah, blah. And, and why, are, you know, things like that or people in the past, why are they celebrating? 
you know what, even in a 60-game season, the way this 60-game season was set up, the, you know, you had to get through a lot, you're going to celebrate it. Uh, in a normal 162-game season, you're going to celebrate it because you, you, that's a grind. 162 games in about 180-something days, that's a grind to be able to be the best, in at least in your division, and for the most part for the Dodgers, uh, kind of in the, in the National League as a whole. It's something to celebrate in. This year's obviously a little bit more different because eight teams get into the playoffs rather than the normal five. Getting you winning the division and being the eighth seed, you you get the same uh, three game series to start. There's no you know one game playoff to get in anything like that. But in, in you know in normal years, you got to win the division in order to avoid that one game playoff and in order to you know punch your ticket to the postseason and give yourself a chance. So every time that happens. You have a chance to win a World Series. You're going to celebrate it. And, you know, as fans, we're allowed to enjoy it. And we're allowed to take it in and enjoy it and, and worry about everything else uh, when the games start next week, when the real games are the real games, quote unquote, start. Absolutely. The bottom line is uh, the first step to winning a World Series is winning the division. And that's what they did on Tuesday. And, yeah, it's exciting. It's, uh, it's weird. But I, I don't know for me. The specifics of it are, are different and the lack of fans and everything, but it still feels really, really good. Uh, you know, obviously recognizing that I didn't actually have anything to do with it. I'm just a fan of the team. Uh, but, you know, to whatever extent we fans of the team can get satisfaction out of success of our team, this feels really good. And, you know, the, the your best chance to win the World Series is to have the best team in baseball. And that's what the Dodgers have right now. And... You know, obviously anything can happen in the postseason and you and I are going to be stressed during the postseason and uh, you're not going to be very optimistic and I'm going to be a little bit more optimistic, but we're both going to be stressed about it. But for right now, you know, what the first thing on the Dodgers plate was win the division and that's what they did and it's awesome. And, you know, we, talking about the no celebrate, no fans, uh, MLB had, had given an ordinance for no uh alcohol celebrations which i don't know it'll go over well maybe in the playoffs but uh if a team wins the world series i don't see them there being any way of that being enforced or happening but yeah i mean it it, the dodgers were already going to have a more subdued celebration anyways for the most part just based on the fact that it is eight years in a row even for some of the younger guys that that's kind of what the celebrations are for every year obviously the other guys are, are are down to celebrate whenever they can but you know guys like Bruce Dark Gratterall, who who've never done it and it, first year in the league and uh, I mean some of the other guys are already on the Dodgers they did it last year so it's a little bit different there's not too many first timers but anytime there are first timers or guys that are younger uh, you know you got to enjoy it and and because you don't really know how it's gonna happen you know, Alex Verdugo had it the last couple of years and now he's traded to the Red Sox and it's not really known if he's going to get to do it again in the next four or five years. Yeah, absolutely. You have to do it. Uh, Gratterall was on the Twins last year in September, so he may have been part of their okay, yeah. celebration. But but yeah, first one with the Dodgers and yeah, there are young guys and, and several of the veterans mentioned that, that, you know, I, I know Kershaw has been big on you have to, you have to take time to appreciate these things, even if the celebration is more muted. I mean, the Dodgers celebrated the division less than the Padres celebrate, celebrated clinching second place the other day. Um, and, and it's because of what the expectations are. And I think it's good for these young guys to go into a season with expectations so high and recognizing that, yeah, it's an accomplishment to win your division, but it's not the end goal. And I think, you know, I, I think the, the legend and myth of Derek Jeter is overblown sometimes. 
but the fact that he uh, started winning World Series as soon as he came into the league kind of set the tone for what he expected throughout his career. And and I think that's good for a lot of guys. You know, maybe it's not right for everybody, but if you can come into a situation like these young guys with the Dodgers and, and walk in knowing, uh, yeah, we're not here to to make it to October. We are here to win it all. And even though that hasn't happened yet for the Dodgers, uh, knowing that that's the expectation, I think that's a good thing. And I think the Dodgers stuck a really good balance between appreciating the, the steps along the way while keeping their eye on the prize. And I think that's the best approach. Yeah. I think the one guy who's, who's maybe more so on the not opposite end of the spectrum, but a little more is Mookie Betts. You know, anytime he's, he's interviewed the, the, Somehow the combination of our goal, World Series, uh, some a bunch of different words of that nature are always said. And, you know, he's kept these guys on since the beginning, and, and that's always good to see. He He's still going to enjoy it, though, and, and I'm sure he's happy in it, obviously. Uh, but, yeah, it's a, a little bit different this year. Uh, I don't think, and it's not just because of COVID, but that's obviously the main part of it. Yeah, Mookie's won a World Series at Dodger Stadium, and hardly anybody else on the team has. So, uh his opinion carries some weight. True that. All right, we'll come back and get into a couple of the notes and news and talk a little bit more about the NL West and, and kind of what else we want to see the rest of this week. But before that, let's talk about Indeed. You know, if you're looking for a job, you can go to Indeed. If you're looking to hire someone, you can go to Indeed. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike these other sites, Indeed gives you full control, payment flexibility, pretty much full range of motions over your hiring. You pay for what you need. You can pause your account whenever you need to. No long-term contracts. Use Indeed to do what you want. It's like a hired mercenary. You get in there, you get what you need, and you get out if you need to get out, or you keep going if you need to keep going. There you have sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. And with most job seekers using Indeed to find jobs, obviously you using Indeed to find those people is exactly what you need. And right now you can get $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash MLB. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now, Indeed.com slash MLB. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. And keep it locked on Dodgers. All right, Jeff. So the Dodgers, as we said, have won their eighth straight division. So I went back to look at the last NL team or the, to have a division uh, streak like that, which was the Braves who won 14 in a row in the 90s and early 2000s. And I went to their eighth division uh, title team. And found try to find someone that's some obscure former Dodger. I almost cheated because George Lombard was on that team and he never played for the Dodgers, but he's obviously part of the Dodgers now. And I was going to go that route. But I found another player that was on there that's not Andrew Jones. Uh, but that guy is Terry Mulholland. Terry Mulholland pitched for the Dodgers in 2001, 2002, was on the Braves in 99, 2000, played for 11 teams in his career uh, from 86 to 2006. He has a couple things from playing so long. He beat, he has a win uh, against every team that was around when he was pitching. He was 
pretty much one of those guys that you can pitch whenever you needed to. In the, in 1998 with the Cubs, he would pitch as a starter and a reliever, sometimes on consecutive days. He was just a workhorse throughout his career and had uh, you know, a high of 12 complete games in 1992, which I don't think there will be some pitchers these days that will have 12 in their entire career, let alone in one season. Uh, but, yeah, I don't really remember too much his time with the Dodgers, uh, but I remember who he was, and he has one of those fun baseball reference pages with uh, all the different teams and numbers. He, for the most part, he had number 45, but a couple other 40s and a 50 in there as well. So, uh, yeah, Jeff, I, I would imagine you're going to have something on Terry Mulholland just because he was around so long. Yeah, first of all, I did not know he played for the Dodgers. Uh, as you know, 2001, 2002, that was one of my dead times. That was when I was living in Utah going to college didn't have access to watch Dodger games. And so I'm sure I knew at the time that he was on the Dodgers, but I had no memory of that. Uh, but looking at his transactions, they actually traded him. When they got him from the Pirates, they traded Mike Fetters for him. And when they traded him to the Indians, they got Paul Shuey. And Mike Fetters and Paul Shuey have both been obscure former Dodgers in the past. So we just completed the Terry Mulholland chain. So that's <laughs> good. Um, my other, My only real memory of Terry Mulholland is... Uh, in the 80s, I would guess it was probably 80. He was on the Giants, and so 86, 88, or 89. Um, I remember on This Week in Baseball seeing he was the first one I ever saw where a comebacker to the mound gets stuck in the in the glove, and so he threw the whole glove to first base. Uh, there have been a few others. Uh, Orlando Hernandez did that once, and uh, somebody did it more recently, but uh, Terry Mulholland was the first person I ever saw do that caught a comebacker got caught in the webbing so he just took off his glove and threw the whole glove to first base and that is the what i think of every time i hear terry mulholland's name that's a cool thing to, to think about i guess about terry mulholland uh maybe not all right let's get into some quick news and notes before we talk about some other things so justin turner was supposed to start yesterday at third base his first time on the field since coming back he was scratched late and edwin rios ended up playing third base uh it was left hamstring tightness i believe was what they used dave roberts said that it was more precautionary than anything justin turner said that uh, told dave roberts that he wants to play tomorrow which is now today so yeah i'm not really worried at the very least you know if it was an issue they could sit Turner the rest of this week and have him just DH in the playoffs and probably be okay. Uh, hopefully that's not the case, but we'll, we'll see what happens with Justin Turner. Yeah, Roberts didn't seem overly concerned. This definitely seemed, by the way everybody was talking about it, seemed like, okay, we're just not going to press our luck. It sounds like it was really just a, a twinge in his hamstring that he felt, and there's zero reason to press their luck with him right now. Uh, like you said, he wants to play, I, I assume – I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him on defense the rest of the regular season. Uh, I I don't know. It seems like the, the biggest chance for aggravating a hamstring is running the bases. And so uh, unless he – unless they put him through a lot of paces before the game today and there's just no sign of anything, it's hard for me to re- really picture him playing today. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they shut him down until – maybe even Saturday, get him in the last two games against the Angels just to to, to get some at-bats, uh, you know, maybe the whole Angels series. But it seems to me like the prudent course with JT would be to 
to give him a couple more days to make sure that he is totally, totally healthy because next week the games matter. Yeah, better safe than sorry. And especially with a guy like Turner, we saw him come in uh, you know, just last week, coming back from injury and have two or three hits in his first game back. So, you know, with him, he's going to pretty much roll out, roll out of bed and be able to hit. So there's not too much concern about getting him swings if they don't need to. Uh, the other bit of news was, or a couple notes, but one was Jock Peterson back with the team, was at DH last night. Dave Roberts, exact information of what's going on is still unknown. Uh, we can just assume and guess just based on the fact that he was placed on paternity list and then had family and medical emergency, you know, that they might be connected. Uh, but Dave Roberts, the one interesting thing is that he said they'll have Jock you know, for sure till the end of the wild card round. And if they advance, he, he couldn't say any more specifics or if they would have him beyond that point. So, you know, just again, uh, positive vibes and thoughts with Jock Peterson and family. And, and hopefully it's nothing crazy to, you know, hopefully it's nothing wrong or something that won't be remedied in the next few days or whenever. Yeah, hopefully it's, you know, it's really hard to tell. Uh, I, I've just been, I was doing a little research and it was April 25th that Jock and his wife announced that, that Kelsey was pregnant. Um, and so that was April. So five months ago. Uh, and usually, uh, you, usually that announcement comes at the end of the first trimester, which would, which means there's about six months left in the pregnancy. And so assuming this is pregnancy related, uh, it would be pretty early. And so it seems, you know, my best guess, and obviously this is a guess and not intended to be insensitive at all, but it seems like Kelsey is probably having some health issues that are, you know, there are a lot of common health issues related to pregnancy that aren't uh, super serious, but are serious enough that a husband needs to be with his wife, you know? And so that's my hope with all this. It's one of those things where Kelsey had to be put on bed rest for, you know, uh, preeclampsia or something. You know, that's a word you'll learn when you when your wife is pregnant. Eventually, Vince, when you eventually have a wife, um, you know, something like that, that is not super serious, but but serious enough that he needs to be with his family. Um, and that would mean if that's the case, then Kelsey is still pregnant, which is why we haven't heard anything about the baby and and that would that would line up with what Robert said about you know we might lose Jock again during the postseason. Well, if Kelsey's due date is you know October 10th or whatever, uh, you know yeah you you might be expecting to lose Jock for a little bit of time during the postseason. So everything is kind of lining up the from what we can piece together to make me hopeful that it's nothing too serious that everything's going to be fine and it's just pregnancy related complications hopefully everything works out for jock and, and family to get into kind of a next topic before we get into julio Udias, we had a question come in late yesterday about matt Beatty and if he's kind of gotten the shaft a little bit this season uh i think believe i've maybe one of us or both of us have mentioned that a little bit in the in the last few weeks with uncertainty around jock and everything like that and and kind of how the season has gone uh, how do you feel about matt Beatty and on what's happened this season I, you know, it's the weird thing is we don't have any transparency into what's going on at the alternate site. Uh, but really, this could be the best thing for Beatty because uh, getting regular at bats at the alternate site is better than sitting on the bench in the big leagues. 
And, you know, he has struggled when he's played this year. And so maybe what he really needed was to begin those regular bats. And maybe that is with an eye on we might need him in the postseason. Like we talked about, they might in the first round at least uh, go with one or two fewer pitchers on the roster just because they don't need their full rotation. And so maybe they do go with an extra bench bat. And if Jock's not available or whatever, you know, Beatty or McKinstry is a possibility there. Uh, And so, yeah, I I definitely, I would have liked to see Beatty getting more at-bats at the big league level, especially, you know, when we were seeing a lot of at-bats going to guys who weren't hitting at all. Um, But, you know, you do have to, defense does exist. And uh, even though I really do believe that, that Beatty is probably a better hitter than Kike, uh, I think it's basically a proven fact that Kike is a significantly better defender than Beatty. And so, you know, getting those at bats, uh, it's going to be hard when you are a, a guy kind of without a position. Uh, Matt Beatty is going to have to be tearing the cover off the ball to get consistent at bats most of the time. Uh, but I am hopeful that he will, that he's been getting his reps at the alternate site and that that will, you know, if there is an opportunity that presents itself in October, I think he'll be ready for it. And uh, but that opportunity might have to wait till 2021, unfortunately. Kind of weird with just the handling of it in a short season, and with Roberts the way he wants to give guys time. Uh, obviously, Beatty probably could be hitting or would be hitting better than some people that have been getting a lot more consistent playing time. But just the fact of the matter was, you know, they need the other guys to do it. So. Has he gotten a little bit of the shaft? Yeah, but uh, you know, no, I don't think anything more than most Dodgers get when they, when when most players that aren't everyday starters get when they are on the Dodgers. There's just a lot of depth and a lot of uh, good players on this team, so it's hard to to spread it around sometimes. Absolutely. All right. Uh, another note: Julio Urias, Dave Roberts said that he's unsure. They're unsure, or at least they're not going to let us know of what Julio's role will be in the postseason. We talked about it yesterday. We both kind of had him as the number five starter, obviously contingent upon who they play and and things of that nature. Uh, Dave, I mean, Joe Davis and, and Oral talked about it a little bit on the broadcast with Dustin May pitching, how the numbers, they showed the numbers of, of against lefties and righties, and he's significantly better against righties than, than lefties. So if they do face somebody with... You know, a lot of left-handed hitters, maybe Julio gets an earlier start than normal. If not, maybe, you know, he is kind of that swing guy that might be in the rotation or might be in the bullpen, depending on the situation and what round and everything else. So, uh, you know, what are we thinking with Julio? Yeah, in a perfect world, the Dodgers won't need a fifth starter until the NLCS. Um, and that That's kind of, we know they won't need one in the wild card series. And unless the NLDS goes five games, Uh, and they decide not to bring back the first starter, you know. Uh, So that does give them some time, and maybe uh, I I expect his role the first round and hopefully two rounds to be out of the bullpen, and I I think Julio can contribute. It'll be interesting to see him coming out of the bullpen in that role uh, with his first inning woes to see if he can come in knowing he's only going an inning or two and – and maybe have his foot on the gas from the start. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it makes sense, given what May and Gonsolin have both done. Uh, Julio's been solid a, a lot of the time this year, but I think he is the Dodgers' fifth starter right now. And uh, 
And in a lot of ways, that says a lot more about the Dodgers than it does about him. Yeah, with him, uh, I'm not, I don't know, it's weird to not be concerned about him out of the bullpen just based on the fact that he's done it the last two years. But then, you know, also this year as a starter the whole time, his mentality may be a little different. But either way, he's done it before, so that's a good thing, good sign. And we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, like I said, it's going to be, we're, we're probably not going to know who the Dodgers are going to face in the first round until maybe Sunday just based on the cluster that's at the at the bottom of all those teams hovering around 500 so it's just gonna we're just gonna have to wait it out and see a couple other quick notes you know Robert said they wouldn't abbreviate may start today uh although you know I wouldn't say it was abbreviated but he only threw like 72 pitches they may abbreviate his next start on Sunday they wouldn't abbreviate anyone else's starts I believe is what he said or at least nobody that's going to pitch the first couple games um so yeah this week looks like it's going to be you know Mookie Betts said it that they still want to keep their foot on the gas and, and stuff like that and the Dodgers are not going to be putting in any clinch day lineups or anything I would, I would imagine um but it, they, are, you know, they stay healthy, stay strong, and and hopefully get some other guys some at bats. Maybe they'll move the lineup around a little bit to get those guys extra at bats. Guys like Max Muncy, who well, I mean, he's pretty much been in the middle of the order anyways. But uh, get him going. Cody Bellinger's looked good recently. Maybe they'll keep him up in the lineup. Get him going and and get these guys some extra abs, extra extra eyes before they get into the postseason. Talking about May and having his outing cut a little bit short. I had a thought in the shower the other day, which I bring up mostly to make all our listeners think about me in the shower. You're welcome. Uh, but what I was thinking, you know, my cousins do Ironman triathlons. And when you're preparing for an Ironman, you don't you do not do a full Ironman when you're practicing. You know, you, you do, and whether you're doing a marathon or whatever, you know, Ironman includes a marathon. But, uh, you know, whatever you're doing, you know, my cousin, when he's preparing for an Ironman, he'll work up. He said, okay, today I'm going to do a 12 mile run. And eventually he's doing a, an 18 mile run along with a bike and a swim. Uh, but basically doing three quarters of an Ironman is the most that he does in any actual preparation for the Ironman. And, uh, I'd be interested to talk to somebody who's a lot smarter than me about whether that same principle might apply to, starting pitchers because you know you and I both and and a lot of people think well how can we expect Dustin May to go throw 95 pitches in the postseason if they're only letting them throw 80 pitches in the regular season uh but I wonder if if that's okay if that same principle applies of you know there there's not that much difference between 80 and 95 and and so uh, if he can, if he's at the point where he can throw 80 every time, then when they need to throw to throw 95 pitches, he can. And for Clayton Kershaw, that number goes from okay, he 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 can throw 100 pitches. So if we need him to throw 120 in the postseason, he can. You know, I wonder if that same principle applies. And I, I know you're not smarter enough than me to to know the answer, Vince. But uh, I don't know. Do you, do you think there might be some merit to that thought? It's possible. You know, it's that, and we've kind of mentioned this in the in another form of basically, you know, keeping guys fresh, uh, getting them out on higher notes if they're, you know, been struggling or if they've been pitching well. Uh, but the other thing is, you can see the opposite side of it a little bit where, you know, we don't know what Dustin May looks like at 9,500 pitches. And if your theory is wrong, then... You know, the first time you might see Dustin May throwing 95 pitches is going to be 
probably in a close game uh, in the postseason where he needs to get out and maybe, you know, somehow their runner got on and it's a key situation. Uh, and I wouldn't be worried about it, but just the fact that we haven't seen it and they've had a lot of chances to let them, you know, at least get one game that deep uh, is not concerning, but I just would have liked to have seen it. Yeah. Um, but then you have that stretch, you know, earlier this year where the Dodgers didn't have any days off, which kind of mimicked what the postseason is going to be like. And their starters weren't going deep in games. And they won most of those games because their bullpen's also really good. So obviously you don't want to go into the postseason planning on overtaxing your bullpen. Uh, but I, I don't know. It, it's probably just my – I'm trying to be opti- optimistic and trying not to stress about these oh, – excuse me – about these things. Uh, and so maybe I'm just trying to talk myself into it. But I've, I'm doing a pretty good job of talking myself into not being stressed about it. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I, I'm not – Stress really or concern, it's just one of those things where I would have liked to have seen it play out a little different yeah. a few times. Um, all right, Jeff, is there anything else you want to get into? We kind of touched on most of the news and notes. We talked about, obviously, them winning the NL West, but uh, I know you may have other things to talk about or maybe more on one of the previous topics. Uh, I thought it was fun that uh, the the final out of the clinching game was an off-speed pitch from Jake McGee, who uh, it's like the third off-speed pitch he's thrown all year. Uh, so that was kind of fun. That uh, After watching that Murphy guy foul off pitch after pitch, uh, Jake McGee said, okay, I'll throw you a curveball, man. You haven't seen that because you, you probably don't even know I have one. I, don't, I barely remember that I have one. And uh, so that was a fun way to end that game. Uh, it was September 3rd, 1986, that Terry Mulholland threw his glove to first baseman Bob Brindley at a game at Shea Stadium in New York against the Mets. Uh, John Lester is the other one who did it recently that I was thinking about. Um, I think that's everything. I think I've covered uh, everything else that I had to talk about. Yeah, one to expand on the McGee point, it'll be f- fun or funny if there's a game where a team faces Joe Kelly throwing all curveballs and then Jake McGee throwing all fastballs. Yeah. All right, uh, that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you all for listening. If you are a new listener, make sure to hit subscribe. If you are an old listener but have never subscribed, uh, props to you for finding us every day instead of just having the new episode download automatically for you. But go ahead and subscribe as well. We are on social media, Twitter and Instagram at LockedOnDodgers. Jeff is on Twitter at Snydog. I'm at Vince Samperio. All questions, comments, and concerns and praise can be sent to any of those accounts or via DM. We can also be reached via phone, call, voicemail, or text at 323-863-LOCK or email LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com. We're here every weekday morning and we hope you'll be with us when you get in your car or if you're at home, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one. We'll talk to you tomorrow. D. I say D-O. D-O-D-G-E-R-S. The team that's all heart, all heart and all thumbs. They're my Los Angeles. Your Los Angeles. Our Los Angeles. Do you think we'll really win the pennant? Bye.